Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural code and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Thank you for joining us. You know, this is actually just our third podcast. And so if you haven't checked out our first two podcasts, check it out on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Make sure to like like the show, subscribe, share the show with your friends. That is the best way that you can help support us right now is to get the word out about Christian conversation on what's happening within the Black community. So, Kevin, um, today's topic is going to be the Black church. Mm. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I am, We're... too. I am, too. Yeah, and I also, uh, yeah, I also add, if you want to see our wonderful faces, check us out on YouTube as well and like and subscribe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. forgot all about that. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, yeah. I'm really Go excited ahead. about today's episode. Not only the topic, but because this is also our first time bringing on a guest. I know. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. And, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm ex- I'm excited about about this guest because it's someone I followed for a long time. I know you have as well. And uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and introduce him. And so um, our guest today is Virgil Walker. And Virgil is one of the hosts of the Just Thinking podcast. If you haven't heard of it, or you haven't checked it out, please go check it out. It is a wonderful, wonderful resource. Um, and Virgil is also the director of G3 Ministries. And so. Virgil, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be with you all. I hope you can hear me well. Make sure my sound, is my mic on? Is my mic on? Come on, here we go. We already in black church. Let me get my tambourine. No, no, I messed up. I didn't didn't introduce him right. Let me go. Omaha. (laughs) (laughs) Omaha, welcome, man. What's good? Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you all. Uh, overjoyed for this opportunity, Kevin. Man, I'm I'm I was humbled by your introduction, man. Didn't I, I'm I'm always blown away by people who follow me or follow the podcast and are blessed by it. That never gets old to me, and so yeah. always humbled by it, and always blessed to hear that some of the work that we put in, the work that you guys do, uh, in the same way that the work you guys do blesses the body of Christ. And so mm. uh, always always excited to hear that. Uh, thankful for the opportunity. And again, my sister Ma, I wouldn't miss an opportunity. She called when she calls, I come. That's how this works. So <laughs> Man, that's, that's, that's I appreciate you so much. I appreciate Absolutely. you. But see, now here's the thing. So Kevin gonna come on and give you like the full proper introduction and all that. Right, right, right. But see, let me, I'm gonna take it to black church. We welcome you once. We welcome you twice. <laughs> we welcome you three times in the name of Jesus Christ. You ain't got nothing on that. You ain't got nothing on that. <laughs> You yes. took it. You took us there. That's very, very apropos for the topic. We're, we're I'm good just to go. saying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. So, okay. I think before we like get into it, we need to just openly disclose none of us are really in traditional black churches. We don't right. like we're in like very multi-ethnic churches or like I'm in a house church um, that is multi-ethnic. And so that that is our current um position but i can speak for myself i have spent time in the black church like i used to go to church with my grandmother i spent time in a friend's church in college that was a black church in compton that i loved but i'm i'm not there now um what about you guys did you guys grow up in the black church yeah well for me i i pretty much as far back as i can remember 
uh, my parents took me to uh, a church of God in Christ. And so that's Kojic for those who are familiar with that largest Pentecostal denomination um, in, in the country, uh, still is uh, by far has a tremendous amount of, of influence uh, as a result. And so, yeah, they, they are, uh, that was my, th those are my first kind of exposures to quote unquote black church uh, in, a, in a very Pentecostal tradition. Um, and, and again, it was an old uh, church, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 80 people. But those are my first memories of church. And so that was kind of my upbringing. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, same here. So I was born and raised in the black church, a traditional, you know, black Baptist church. So I wasn't necessarily on the, on the, the Pentecostal charismatic side of it, but just right, the, right. the missionary Baptist church, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, but I sung in the choir along with my mom. And so when the pastor go to preach, the choir go with him. So I was in right. every kind of black church. So I saw it all, right. you know? Right. So, yeah, that's my tradition. Did y'all sing that one song, Amen? It only got one word in it? We, you, you, you know it. You know, you know it. Amen. It was, that was the song. That's the song the choir marched into. That was the song. Right. Ooh, yep. marching yep. in. Man, I ain't heard yes. that yes. all time. You got to go marching in. Yes. 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 You got the yes. sway. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> if you had that much sway, your choir would yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. The, door, the, doors of the, the doors of the church are now open. Yes. The doors yeah, of the church are now open. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that real quick. Before, and we need, okay. Gosh, woo, we already there. Before we talk about the doors of the church being open, how do you define right. the black church? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good question. I think there's a, there's a, there are a number of ways that you can go about it. I think historically speaking, I, I looked at, you know, a, a church that was, that was uh, kind of out of, out of the slavery, you know, movement and, and dealing with, with early church culture, your AMEs, African Methodist Episcopal, um, uh, Kevin mentioned it, your, your missionary Baptist churches, uh, your, your national black Baptist or national Baptist churches, mm -hmm. uh, your Kojic, churches and so a lot of those were were full orbed denominations right mm -hmm. and so you, I, th I think that i think there are layers to this monique i think you have your, your fully orbed denominations uh that that were the result of either a segregated uh aspect of worship uh or or a desire on the part of of some black folks who said we want to have our own thing uh do things our own way in fact i'm living in the south i've come across a lot of that uh, i've been a part of of of, of uh, Baptist churches, historic Baptist churches that go back uh, earlier than uh, than 1870, right? Earlier than the Southern Baptist Convention. And they would have blacks who worshiped alongside them or with them. Many of those blacks said, hey, we wanna do our own thing. And so the church actually actually la launched a church or, or planted a church that was aimed at and for uh, blacks who were who were either slaves and or free, and so I think there, there there are two facets to this. One is the denominational aspect, and then the other is just culturally, you know, it, based upon area of the of the city that that most blacks lived, and, and and that was a part of their their kind of upbringing and cultural kind of kind of milieu. And so that's I, I think those those are two based upon a definition in my mind that would be a, a manner in which I would probably separate the two ideas. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts about that. Um, ahead, no, it. yeah, no, I kind of, you, you took my answer because that's kind of how I look okay. at it. Um, I mean, the black church is so, it's diverse. And so the only way you can kind of look at it is through denominations. You know, I know the church I grew in was National Baptist. Mm -hmm. um, 
But then, you know, just, you got the Kojic, you got your AMEs, and they all have their own separate type of cultures. But at the same time, it's almost a unified joint culture. Like we grew up in like yeah. separate denominations, but there are certain things that are just common within yeah. the culture of yes. the black church as a whole. And so that's, yeah. I mean, I think Virgil did a good job of kind of breaking down mm-hmm. how we kind of define or see the black church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, there's different denominations and the de- each denomination come with its own culture. But there are some things that I would say make the black church the black church. Mm-hmm. Even though I think that there that people will argue, well, we're not a monolith and all that. But there are some things where I'm like, you know, yep. everybody mm-hmm. know that song. Mm-hmm. Everybody right. go. Yep. If somebody get on, get on the organ and start right. um what's yep. his name richard smallwood's song yes right. total praise yes right everybody gonna be right. there, laid out right okay right so right now why aren't you guys in the black church mm. okay I, I i'll i'll lead off this time so my story kind of goes and it's crazy because we just got through talking about John MacArthur. Somebody gave me a John MacArthur CD and I heard expositional preaching for the first time. I heard, I heard the word of God explained in a way I'd never heard it before. And this also was kind of um, tying into the time where I was starting to read the Bible for myself. And so I was just thirsting for the word. And when I got hooked on expositional preaching, I just wanted it. Right, and so I have to have you define expositional preaching before you get too far in. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but if you don't explain, it's going, it's going, might we might lose people, and I don't want to lose. Yes, yeah. So expositional preaching is really a a deep dive into the text. It is reading the text and explaining the text within the context of culture, within the, the 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 bigger picture of scripture within where it is in the chapter, like what does this scripture mean? What is it, um, what is it that God is saying um, in this text? And so it's just a really deep dive explanation of the word of God. And typically pre- um, churches that preach expositionally, they preach verse by verse, right? And so you're just going through um, the book or the passage one verse at a time, and it gives you a broad understanding. And so it wasn't kind of, where the preacher picks a, a scripture that's more of a springboard to just whatever they want to talk about. Um, it's really about preaching the, the text within the context in which God wrote it and in the context it was written in. And so um, I got a taste of that. And the church I was in at the time, this was in the mid 2000s. And so um, in Birmingham, I will say this, the word of faith movement was really, really encroaching in on black churches um even churches that were traditionally not of that um that weren't traditionally kind of word of faith it was starting to kind of seep in right and so i'm i'm hearing this and i'm like wait a minute that's and of course i'm looking at the passage i'm looking at the I'm like looking at the passage i'm looking at the preacher i'm looking at the passage i'm like that's not what that's talking about you know mm-hmm. and so it got to a point where i was leaving church um more angry than edified because I felt like he, they weren't preaching the word. They weren't saying, they weren't teaching us what God had to say. It was more so what they wanted to say that particular week. Um, mm. And so I realized that I needed to be somewhere. I just wanted someone to preach the word. I didn't want, you know, and unfortunately I couldn't find that 
in my community in in the black context. And so when I found it in a you know predominantly white church, yeah, I I gave up my cultural norms because at that time I just wanted the word. You know, wow. I, I didn't care about at that time the most important thing to me was not the cultural aspects that I enjoyed about my cultural church context. I just wanted the word of God and then wherever that was, that's where I was going to be. And so that's where, that's what made me essentially leave the, the black church context, you know, was searching for someone just preaching the word. Yeah. So. Okay. No, I, I, I think that's great. I, uh, I, I would I would add a couple of thoughts around what why why I am where I am and and again it's a it, it, it's a long story which I, I won't even belabor but simply to say uh, I, I was I was a part of you know some of the uh, most exciting uh, uh, black church experiences uh, possible I was a part of uh, Carlton Pearson's church there in Tulsa Oklahoma if anybody's familiar with Carlton Pearson, uh, Old Roberts University was right in my backyard. And so I uh, had a chance to every Sunday, I mean, it was show enough church, right? I mean, as far as, as far as the music, I mean, on a, on a given Sunday, you could have, uh, you could have a, a BB whining on the platform. You could have Tremaine Hawkins next week. And for those of you who know kind of black church culture uh, in that context, I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, uh, it was an incredible experience. But as, if you follow Carlton Pearson's life and the, and the, and the, the trajectory of the church, he's actually, uh, he, he's an apostate. Um, and, and it breaks my heart because I, I have a, a deep affection, had a deep affection, uh, and, and, and still a, a, a love for him uh, as, a, as a man of God. This is my first time experiencing the black church experience in a multi-ethnic environment. This was a, by the time, by the time Carlton was, was at his high point, we were probably a 60% black, 40% white and Hispanic. And I mean, it was just, it was amazing. He was doing Azusa. So if you're familiar with Azusa, you can go online, you can Google it. And you, he had had his conference at Old Roberts University. There was some 30,000 people that were a part of that experience at a given time. But, but the man has gone from, from, from top of the mountain uh, to eventually apostatizing. And, and a lot of it had to do with, with some of the things that Kevin said. As, as I now go back and look, uh, what was taking place was a lot of homiletics and very little in hermeneutics, right? So homiletics. Homiletics is, is the idea of, of taking a, 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 a preaching thought and, and making it easy and simple for someone to digest. So you'll hear a pastor say, uh, if he's preaching on David, he'll talk about the plan of David, and then he'll talk about the purpose of David, and then and then he'll use another P word, right? Uh, the provisions that David had or something like that. And so you you get all excited because you got these three Ps and they all sound good and they rhyme and the words rhyme and you're kind of, you're getting into the, to, to the whole emotional impact of it, but you never really understood who David represented uh, and that he was a he he was to represent the, the coming Christ, even with all of his flaws. So you, you never get more in depth uh, hermeneutics. Uh, hermeneutics is the idea and thought that what you end up doing is you, you're going you're going to study the text of Scripture, understand it, and at, at depth uh, and unpack it uh, to the degree that that uh, that you're you're taking from the text everything that Kevin explained. You're drawing from the text what was what's actually there, and so you you begin to see. Uh, in, in, in some of these contexts, more homiletics, light on hermeneutics. And it was, it was important for me to find a space where I could get a richness of the, of the exposition of preaching. 
for me, it was never about, oh, this is a black church. Oh, this is a white church. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I never had that kind of thought process. For me, it was just where where do I live? Where's my environment? And where can I go? Here's someone, you know, uh, uh, unpack the word of God. <coughs> that was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'll add to that, too, because I don't want people to think black churches don't do expositional preaching. There are some out there. Um, but this was when I left. It was mid 2000s. You didn't have social media the way you have now. It wasn't an easy way to find churches. And so unless you were just going around church to church visiting, it was kind of hard to um, find those churches. And a lot of those, from my understanding now, what I've come to learn is a lot of those faithful Black preachers that are pastoral and just preaching the word, they're not the ones necessarily with the biggest platforms that are out there that have the radio program or the TV program. And so it was hard to find those churches when I was looking. Mm -hmm. um, and even at that time, just in my area, that's still, I mean, there's, there's some now that I know of, but at that time, those churches didn't exist. And so um, there are church, black church that do do expositional preaching. They're just not as prominent or easy to find, at least back then they weren't. Oh man, y'all didn't sound a lot. Um, <laughs> Goodness gracious. I, I don't even feel like I, yeah, I feel like it, it sparks another question for me of, well, one, Kevin, thank you for bringing out the, the thought that no, not every black church is just topically preaching. Like there are churches that do expositional preaching and um, verse by verse preaching, but what, um, what I tend to think people think when they think of the black church is T.D. Jakes, Kenny Ulmer, um, what was that guy's name? Um, Frederick Price or Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar, that's it. Creflo yeah. Dollar. Like I think that that tends to be what our mind goes to for the public discourse on yes. on the black church, and that tends to make people feel certain kind of ways. Like, you know, all they're doing is just asking for money or um, Creflo Dollar won his, what was it, $69 to get his jet. Remember that a couple of years yes. ago? Yes. You know, so we have, we have things like that popping up. But I wonder more than anything, like, is, is it an issue of seminary training? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how many, when we look at white to black, I tend to wonder how many black pastors are attending seminary one and because of our history with racism and seminaries, not admitting black people, how much of that is just a history that is that we're now um, kind of walking out like, well, they wouldn't let me in now. I don't need history. My, my, I mean, I don't need seminary. My grandfather didn't go to seminary. My father didn't go to seminary. So now here I am, you know, talking about Jesus got baptized. You should learn to swim. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, just, do. It, I do. It just kind of goes down a very, very dark course in looking at how we care for the sheep. I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on that or I'm just basically sharing kind of what's going on in my brain about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying, but I, I would argue that you, you go back and, and read uh, not just pastors, but just uh, uh, abolitionists, uh, you know, and, and, and begin, to, and begin to, to look at some of the things that they wrote uh, in the past. You, what you begin to see is that there was, there was sound theology 
throughout. And so I, I would argue that it, it has less to do with, um, with, the, with, the, with uh, seminary training and more to do with culture and what's current. I, you guys mentioned some of the lead uh, pastors, the Creflo Dollars, the TD Jakes. If, if you, if, once you begin to understand biblical exposition, and you go back and listen to a T.D. Jake sermon. I just want to keep it current. You go back and listen to a T.D. Jake sermon. You'd have to argue that, that there's nothing really deeply expositional, uh, not from a standpoint of, of, of proper biblical hermeneutics that's actually happening in a T.D. Jake sermon. <clears throat> what he's doing is, for the most part, he's, he's listening to culture. He's identifying a few key words and then using those words in the current context before he actually explains the context from which you know scripture is actually intended and so there's some things that 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 go on that i think are would seminary education help absolutely but but i would argue that 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 early on you know we had people who 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 had sound robust sound biblical theology uh that that didn't necessarily attend seminary and they would get this from learning from others who were in that same in that same context Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good that that's good yeah. um it it does it harkens me back to even the inception of you know like i feel like the ame church and there was mm -hmm. sound theology there um so yeah and, and, and even 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 this even this and i, I, I you, you mentioned ame church you go back to to, to you know early kojic preaching now you, you may disagree with the with the continuationism of, of you know of of you know what they're doing with the gifts of the spirit go back mm -hmm. and listen to sermons back in the day uh, what they were like, what they sound, AME churches, go back and listen to those sermons and compare them to your favorite black preacher today. And there's mm -hmm. a drastic difference between those two. And the difference, I would argue, is one where someone looked in scripture, unpacked the text of scripture, and one where someone thought the way that I could grow this church is to really amp up some homiletics and turn up the Hammond B and, 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 and get my prosperity thing going and start, start begin to drive in that direction because they saw, they saw a church growth model that they felt like could, you know, made sense. Yep. Hmm. 100%. I'm glad you said that. Cause that was my own personal experience. The preaching that I grew up with was not the preaching that I left right in the 2000s. The yes. preaching I grew up with was sound gospel, yes. hard gospel preaching. Um, but at a certain point, once you keep losing members to these big mega churches that are preaching health, wealth, and prosperity, yes. at a certain point, it started to affect the way my pastor was preaching um, and who he was affiliating with. And it did become a church growth model. Um, yes. and, and, and that was felt within the pulpit. And it's even you know, more so today because that was like say mid 2000. So you're talking, you know, 15 years ago. Yes. Um, it's only decline in my mind since then yes so when we're looking at like the seeker friendly movement of the early 2000s and things like that do you think that that was the, the a major turning point in many black churches or do you think that the civil rights movement had anything to play in all of this see why are you trying to get us in trouble see i'm just <laughs> here i'm just here i'm living my innocent little life yes i am Kevin, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you jump us off, bro. man, man. All right, so this is off code, so I I can't run away no, from it. Can't we just gonna um, take it off code? Go ahead. Yeah, I've always so I'm glad he pointed out kind of that historic preaching that that's prominent within. And you go read historic black preaching in churches, their writings. 
um, something along the way did change. And I think it's important to point out that when blacks split off from white churches because of the way they were treated or for other reasons, the, the theology was the same. They didn't split over theological differences. Um, so along the way, what we call black theology took a turn from where it originally started, where, from where black Christians were. And a lot of that can be traced back to the 60s of the civil rights movement and the injection of liberation theology, where politics kind of became the main focal point and preaching point of the church and to a degree to where um, it, it had an effect. When, when, when it goes from being Christ-centered, Jesus-centered to liberation, political, um, all about, you know, freeing black people from oppression. Yes. When, when, when that becomes the focal point of the preaching from the pulpit every week, that has an effect on the church as a whole, has an effect on the culture, has an effect on, you know, the, the black community, you know. Um, and so I think that we can trace that back to a change within black preaching because um, Black churches at the time, this is one thing people forget to talk about. Black churches were being criticized for their lack of effort within, before the civil rights movement, in, in the Come black on, struggle, yeah. I guess you can say, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so you had the, you had the Malcolm X, you had the, the Muslims, you had the um, black conscious movement, you had all of these movements, and but the black church was seen as silent on these issues, right? And so, how do you, how do you, not how do you not lose your uh, place in society? How do you not lose your uh, place of being relevant within the culture? Is is you start speaking on these things, you start preaching on yes. these things, and these things take over. And so, the message of the gospel ends up just being a political message of liberating Black people from their current struggle of situation. And um, I think we've seen the effects of you know, 60 years of that type of preaching moving into a word of faith type of preaching, but away from when we go back and read the, histor the historical um, preaching of the black church, we, we definitely see a change along the way. Kevin just hit it out of the ballpark. In fact, what y'all need to do is take that section as a, as a set aside and just post that out for everybody because that was, that was a history lesson. Uh, right that, that there. It, sure really, was. it was it really was a history lesson what, what actually took place I, I would argue I, I would only add to, to what Kevin just said is that that the civil rights movement and movements like it actually destroyed the orthodoxy of the black church because now for the first time blacks had seen the church as central to uh, to 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 ending uh, uh, or, or or adding civil rights very much like they're looking at social justice adding benefits to us and they're using the church to get those things done because they they understand the power of of of, of a congregation of a black church and a black voice uh, I, I would argue that 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 uh, I, when I think about um, Martin Luther King uh, and I know I know you I know nobody's supposed to say anything about him and about his 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 uh, his heterodoxy and 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 some of the things no no we touch on it go ahead bring okay, it okay 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. well I mean the the issues around it I mean he, he I would argue that that you know all of what he did 
uh, actually took us in an absolutely uh, inappropriate direction. Uh, we left the idea of Christ and his cross and what we picked up was was civil rights in crisis. Uh, what we what we what we ended up leaving was was the sovereignty of God, uh, and we we added the suffering of, of of our people and and how how we wanted to use Christianity uh, for the purpose of of, of overcoming. We, we then preachers began to look at the text of Scripture actually through a a a, a hermeneutic of suffering. So now blacks were always the ones suffering in Egypt. Blacks were always, every, so every text we read, we applied personally rather than having proper biblical hermeneutics being applied. Uh, and, and, and then what we saw as a result was that folks were champion, champion, championing uh, the, what, what government could do and replaced God with government. We wanted these things to happen from government and rather than recognizing that true transformation takes place in the heart of individuals and those individuals transformed hearts actually changes culture as a result oh i need me a tambourine <laughs> if i could just right now yes i would oh i feel it my help's yep. coming on me yes yep. it is and i think the key thing virgil said we can sum it all up is we exchange god for government absolutely yes. and and then it's pretty prevalent within the preaching and it's pretty prevalent in the way you see the black church so linked to the democrat party of mm -hmm. the country oh you just back off COVID i know i know go ahead, I know, bring it up. I know. Go ahead. but, but it's, it is it's i mean i grew up with i grew up with politicians coming to church and speaking on sunday morning and addressing the church and i it, thought that but, was white nationalism <laughs> it, it is so tied together right mm -hmm. um to where like you said you lose you lose what is the focus of scripture what yep. what did god say what was god who was god talking to how does that apply to us today we've lost all of that proper proper biblical hermeneutic for simply preaching a message of politics yes. um and when you preach a message of politics and then everything comes centered around hey we got to go out and vote because we're waiting on the politicians to change our neighborhoods we're waiting on the politicians to fix oh. everything you know, you, you, you stop doing evangelism, you stop doing discipleship, you stop preaching about, you know, being, uh, um, having kids out of wedlock because that's shaming unwed, you no know, mothers, single mothers. Right. You stop right. being a voice for what scripture talks about and the proper way of living and way God would have us to live. And it simply becomes about the, the it comes about, everything comes about the system. And if we just change the system, if we just keep voting Democrat and, and no, and, uh, the politicians, you know, free us from this because, this is one of the things the civil rights movement was so successful to where we bought into, oh, that's the way we do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've never gotten off that playbook. We never said, okay, you know, that those were the weapons for that war and we won our rights. Okay. Let's get back. No, it just came. That's just became the way, right. Preaching politics, preaching politics, preaching politics, government, government, government. And we've made all of our issues, the issue of the system and government need to be fixed. Government is our savior. Government will fix us. Right. Government will come in. Right. And we just keep preaching that. And that's why you see so many people, you know, praising Supreme Court nominees and and praying Talk for about them. It. Talk about <laughs> right? it. Like, Talk like the, about it. Who, who our God is has become very, very clear in the last couple of weeks. That's all I'll say. Wait, wait, Kevin, have you seen this thing, man? Have you, have you seen the videos 
where folks on Sunday morning are, are praising uh, Katanja uh, uh, Brown Jackson. I, I, I'm just, I, I, my jaw drops. I mean, I, I can't believe it. It, it. But at the same time, I can. We have degenerated the pulpit to such a, to such a short-sighted level uh, yes. that we've, we've neglected the eternality of, of the preached word of God to transform heart and minds, to see culture shift, uh, to, to, you know, and, and, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of Christ didn't come to save uh, society. He came to save sinners. And at the end yes. of the day, the gospel is about the transformation of one heart, one heart that was angry at God, at war with God, to one who now loves God, loves good and does that. And as a, as a result, it's reflected in culture. Right. That's what we yes. should see. Well, we, we figured, uh, you know, God needed some help. And so we wanted to get with government. And, and figure out a way that we could we could help God to fix what we saw were problematic in culture. Kevin, you spoke to it earlier when you talked about liberation theology, um, in particular, black liberation theology that began right after King uh, gets off the scene, after X gets off the scene. We've got we've got James Cone showing up uh, and, 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 and preaching this this doctrine of suffering and oppression. Uh, it's Marxian in its origin. I know that people hate mm-hmm. to hear that, but that's the truth. Go bring the truth. And, and, and it, it is infected every... Fa- now, here's the thing. When you say that, when you say Marxism, when you say Black liberation theology, when you name names like James Cone, the average Black person in the Black church is going to go, I don't have a clue who or what you're talking about. Yes. At, at the end of the day, unfortunately... Because of what we experienced in the 50s, in the 60s, early 70s, and onward, it is, it is a part of the air we breathe. Uh, Come it, on. You know, it, 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 it doesn't, your pastor does not have to stand up and give you a, 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 a lesson uh, about James Cone. Daryl and I travel around the country and we, we're in spaces where we're talking about these men and we're unpacking their theology. And for many people, it's the first time they've heard it. But here's the crazy part. It is not the first time that many of them have been impacted by that yes. doctrine and by those lessons. And that's what people are missing as a, as a result. So they think, well, I don't know about Marx. I don't even know who that is or wh- where mm-hmm. he came from, or I don't have any clue about, about you know, any, anything related to, to, to black liberation theology. No one's ever taught that. I don't even know who, who James Cone is. I, at the end of the day, you don't, you don't need to know who all those people are. I can, I can assure you if, if you if on, if, if, if during black history month, if that's a focus inside your church, uh, where you're mm-hmm. looking at, then, then you've been infected. You've been, you've been affected by this liberation theology because what church should be about are not black people, black leaders, church, the, the church belongs to God. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the church is the bride of Christ. The church isn't about you or your melanin count or how many black leaders have been a part of, 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 of something phenomenal. You, you can do that at home. You can do that at school. You can educate your family. You can do what you want to do. But church is for honoring and worshiping the sovereign God of the universe. Again, I, let me get off my soapbox, but I just, no, I, I, I really, no, I, go I, ahead. I, really, I really, I really resonated, you know, with, with, with what you shared there. And, and I think it's important for people to understand that, that what we're seeing in cultures is a part of something that didn't just happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're, we're Kataji uh, Brown Jackson. I mean, we're, we're, I could not believe mm. people are in pulpits 
talking about her yes. as if she's the savior, like she's yes. going to save us once she gets on the Supreme Court. It's it's mm -hmm. mind blowing, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Monique, you need to do. I, 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 you need to do. If I had time, I would. You need to do one where you break down, or maybe have one of the guys break down what this guy, what some of these guys are doing in these sermons and go, what in the world? Like have a, have a, have a video on one side, you on the other and break this stuff down and go, that's, that's, that's I yes. know, because I, I think few people recognize why that is, that is, that, that, that's so heretical, why that's mm -hmm. so problematic. You know, they, 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 they really don't catch it. Yep. No, I and, agree. Yep. I, go ahead. No, that's a, I'll add this too, because it's key to understanding how we got here. When you take the biblical narrative and you look and you go to scripture and you see what God has done for Israel, delivering Israel, Israel out of slavery, and you replace Israel with black, right? The narrative and everything about what God does is centered around black people, right? Yes. We become the center of God affection, not the church, mm -hmm. not Israel, black people, right? And I had, I had a, a black pastor joke one time. He was like, black people don't go to hell. Like if, if, if your theology is centered around black people being God's people because we're the oppressed, then why would you need to evangelize or disciple black people? You need to awaken white people. White people need to be saved because black people are the center of God affection, you know? Right. Um, and so I think once you get that dynamic and you start real, that's why you can, you can praise when a black person is getting, you know, appointed to the Supreme Court. Right. That's God's work. Look how God is blessing his people. Right. No matter people what simply become black people. Yeah, no matter right, what right, you believe, right. no matter what you hold to, if you are black, I mean, mm -hmm. we might as well be black Hebrew Israelites. It might as well be if you black, you good. But here's the thing, too, is that when you're black and you're good, then nobody can tell you when you're not good. And this was James Cone's premise, is that if you are white or, you know, not a part of God's chosen people, which expanded to minorities, I think pretty much across the board, um, unless you were white adjacent, then you can't you can't tell a black person when they in sin. So that means that if I if I'm out here just wilding out and Krista decides she's gonna come and tell me, Monique, you need to sit down, like you wilding out, she can't tell me about my sin. No. Because I'm part of God's chosen people. I have to understand that the oppressed people, the marginalized black people, we have our own sin structure, we have our own way of dealing with sin, as do white people. Yeah. But you can't cross the board to correct me, which where do we find that in scripture? We don't. I also think that it's important because we've mentioned like the, the people within the last 60, 65 years. So we talked about Cone and things like that, but we need to look back at W.E.B. Du Bois. We need to look back at um, Baldwin. We need to look at Hughes. There are people who have um, impacted people like Cone. Yes, Cone was influenced by yeah. Marxian, Marxian theology, um, ideology and, um, you know, things like that. He, but he, 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 took, he took it in he took he took a a a secular ideology and, and he he added uh, theology to it, improper though it was. But he laid the framework for the theological aspect of mm -hmm. Marxian of, of godless Marxian ideology, laid the framework for it. Yes. yes, and we we see it carried over post cone, and and I think when we look at you know like Virgil, you mentioned like you've been impacted by this if you if you're having Black history in your church and things like that. To me, whether you have Black history in your church or not, just because um, 
not in your church or not, but like on, on the street, I feel like this is just the word on the street, whether you're in church or not. If you have a grandmother who's been in church and she's impacted by this, this is just the way that, that the conversation on the street happens about God a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I go back to something you mentioned about how nobody can tell you nothing. And unfortunately what we see that, that doesn't just apply with the kind of like the, the the voice of color theory, right? Which is which is kind of what you, you you're alluding to. You you have someone white, they can't tell you nothing because black is all good, right? That's that's the voice of color theory where where you, you if you're not black, if you're white, then you can't speak on anything related to anybody black. You see people in in media doing this now, where where, where you had the had the the the, um, uh, the, the, the big the big slap uh, at the at the Emmys, where where uh, Will Smith uh, slapped uh, Chris Rock, right? Whites can't speak about that because of, again, voice of color theory. Your 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 voice is too white, and so you have to take your white voice out of that in, environment, and you can't speak on it because there were two black people. And, and, and unfortunately, that doesn't just stop there. It happens in our churches. And so what you begin to see is all kinds of crazy behavior, right, happening in pulpits with pastors who have done improper things, inappropriate things. But you can't say anything because you can't put your mouth on that pastor, right? Mm. You better not say anything mm. about, about, about pastor because he's the man of God and you better not oh. touch him, mm. right? And, and so touch not these- my anointed. And right, do my right. prophet so, no harm. Right, right, right. So, so, so they they abuse they abuse uh, the, the, you know people uh, and 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 do wrong kinds of things. But because of the fact that, that that we've adopted again this ideology of of suffering, this this idea about about who can and can't speak, and when they can and can't speak, we see it in culture play out with white to black. But it's also happening in our own churches where we can't speak mm-hmm. about what pastor did uh, because, you know, we, we, we're touching the, touching the prophet. Yes. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm going, I'm, I know I, I could camp out right here, but I'm going to keep the conversation going just a little bit. Here's a, here's a question I'm gonna throw out to y'all as, as men and leaders in your home and leaders within your community, I'm gonna ask more of a community question. When, when, uh, when I look out at South Central Los Angeles, when, where I grew up, and I'm only going to use this as a, a microcosm, I think you guys can you know, speak for places where you've grown up and lived and things like that. I see a church almost on every corner, sometimes two on a corner. And yet I also see promiscuity, um, drugs being run rampantly, gang violence, people getting shot in front of the church, you dying on the church, you know, on, on the doorstep of the church. We see such grotesque poverty, like so many, um, like a, a multitude of different issues. Where is the black church voice in these black communities? Because they're predominantly black communities where we're seeing all of these things. When we look at the stats of like black crime and black violence and, you know, all of these things, it's normally happening in communities that have several black churches. Are, is the church missing something? Are they, you know, maybe they're just shut down. I have no idea. But what are your thoughts on the stats that we see? And yet we see churches on every corner. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, uh, Kevin took the bullet the last hit. So I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump. I'll jump into this one. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say I, many of those places and spaces that we're calling churches are not churches. 
Um, they they are just you know homes and places and spaces that that people have put a sign on the door with the name church uh, that that just aren't. Uh, they 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 have no biblical ecclesiology. There's there's just a guy who maybe read some scriptures and felt like he wanted to lead a group of people and 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 are looking to take you know advantage of those folks. And just as soon as those doors are open, more times than not, they're closed. And then the next person takes the sign and puts it on 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 their church door. You don't really see uh, that that you know when you see the multiplicity of of a church, four churches on a street corner. When you see that kind of thing, a lot of times. What you're not, what you're seeing is is not necessarily a biblical church. Now, with that said, there are some churches, black churches, if you will, churches with predominantly you know ethnic uh, black. There's there, there's something else I wanna I wanna touch on. Let me finish this this first thought, and and that is, you see some folks who are out there doing the work and out there mm -hmm. uh, trying to have an impact on their community. So I don't want to label every black church as not doing. Uh, good things, not not yes. not, not representing uh, biblical orthodoxy. There are folks who are doing that, but I think I think Monique, the thing that you're pointing at is when you see the the amount of them, as many as you do, uh, you would hope that there would be a greater. That you would hope to see greater impact, and unfortunately, that's not oftentimes what you're seeing. The other the other thing I'll raise, I'll I'll, I'll toss this back to you, and I know I know Kevin wants to get in here as well. Uh, when when you hear about when you hear the quote. Uh, that uh, the 11 o'clock hour is the most segregated hour on Sunday. The 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour uh, that, that, that we have, uh, meaning that blacks go to their church, whites go to their church. And I'd argue that that's a, that's a flawed concept and that's a flawed idea, but I know those who posit that idea. And with that, my question would be, are they, are they apt to point at predominantly black churches regarding that issue? And, and, and mm -hmm. are they challenging them regarding the diversity in the all black church? Because I know the mm -hmm. intent of that is that this is a predominantly white setting uh, and we're gonna point at these white churches for them to let go of their resources and integrate more. My question is when we think about that most segregated hour, there, there are two factions in that, one black, one white. Is anybody going to the all black church to tell the black pastor, you gotta, do, you gotta change your programming and I know you love this 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 black gospel sound, but y'all need to bring some white folks up in here, and y'all need to whiten up this black gospel sound so that white people can feel comfortable coming in. They don't do that, see, but they nope. expect mm -hmm. that, they anticipate that with with predominantly white churches. And if if it's fair in one, it's fair for the other. And so again, that that goes into a whole conversation about whether or not there needs to be a quote unquote black church and all of that. But I I I, I, I completely, yeah I completely I completely digress. Let me let me talk <laughs> let me toss back to let me toss back to Kevin. And uh, and see if he can't get us in some in some trouble. So I let him do it. What he man, does. man, you went there. Okay, all right. So <laughs> I got I got to get back. I got to get back to the, to the the original question was where is the the black church when there's one on every corner? But we see all the yes. issues in the community. Yeah, especially you, like black abortion. Like all like yes. I, I I forgot to even <sighs> say that, but. Yeah, Kevin, come on. You, Go ahead and get us into more trouble. We already I mean, yeah, I mean, just, swimming above just, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep getting in trouble. And I want to say this. Pointing out one is not um, recommending the other. So I want to say that. It comes down to, you say, where's the black church? Where are those black pastors? They're in front of the camera, standing next to the Democrat politician. That's where they are. And it's all about, it's all about more money. More programs. The the government is going to fix our community. You know, the government, more money, more government. It's going to fix it. It's going to fix it. It's not about 
discipleship anymore. It's not evangelizing. It's not, you know, we don't, I mean, the church used to have this moral stance in the community where it was a shame to live a certain lifestyle. But yeah, now right. that's gone. That's removed right. because the church don't right. preach on it anymore. You say black abortion. One of our black abortion isn't an issue in the black church because it's not it's not, on, it's not on the Democratic platform. It's not a political topic on their platform. So black pastors like don't preach on it. pod must be going out. <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's just keep it real. It's not keep what it. they're being told to preach on. Yes. It's not on true. the platform. But that brings me to the fact that I feel like we, and, and, okay, you know what? I'm going to pause. We do not hate the black church. We do no. not hate, we do not hate people, black people in black churches. No. We are concerned with the fact that in many black churches, a true gospel is not being put forward. Yep. The, and, and, a, a, yeah. a true scripture is not, people, people are giving you the, if you, if, if you in one of those kind of churches, a lot of times the okie doke is being preached. Yes. It, the yes. word of God is not being preached. So before somebody decided to write in and come off the handle, <laughs> y'all just hate black, y'all just white adjacent, y'all just, no. you know, inner oppression. No, let me go ahead and set you straight right now. Nobody's talking about that. What we're, what we are bringing to light is a concern for a historic Christian truth. That yeah, is what man. we are concerned about. Now, yeah. the truth of it is, is that when and Kevin and I are going to do a, a conversation on the black vote, but oftentimes the the political party and the black church are connected. And yeah. we and we see this in his we saw this with Margaret Sanger being people pastors being paid to tell their people, their parishioners to abort their children. Yes. We just move forward some years and we see the same thing. You yep. can see, um, what was that that lady with the wig? Um, I remember when I did that? Maxine that, Waters. Maxine Waters. We can see, we saw Maxine Waters in a church in Inglewood here just handing somebody a $5,000 check. The, the, pre, the preacher opened it in front of, um, in front of the congregation. The, it was being videotaped and he was like, she just handed me $5,000. You just sold your pulpit for $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. What and what what are you teaching your community? What are you yeah, teaching right. them about bribery? Something that the Bible specifically talks it about. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it speaks against it. But yet yeah. we are we are very quick to satisfy the Democratic Party or or you know, I feel like it can go either way. We'll satisfy those who will who will scratch our back. Yeah. And it goes a little bit deeper too. Um Take it all the way in. When you leave the biblical understanding of what is the problem with the world of sin in the heart, sin, mm -hmm. in the pe people sin, right? And you adopt this mindset that the issue of the world is systems, right? Systems become the problem. And so the message and the purpose of the church comes to change systems. And we see that within the, you know, the government. We see this preached from the church. That's why they get so excited. That's why Maxine Waters is there because we got to change the systems. And once the systems change, then that fix all of our problems. And so the issue doesn't become the sinful heart and the sinful actions of people. It simply become, becomes that is excused because the system is against those people. So their behavior right. becomes excused from the church. But what's so horrible is that the system that people create and talk about all the time, the system that is kept before us, is pervasive it's insidious it's endemic it's always changing so at some point 
this you're never going to be able to change the system and people aren't waking up to that reality that the system that they've uh, and I'll use the example of critical race theorists that many critical race theorists put three theorists put before you is a system that they say is endemic and yet always changing and it's always changing to keep the power structures in the hands of white people well, yeah. when we look at the when we look at when we look at that in the church and our connection with the Democratic Party, what we see is that we are told about systems that are always changing. But the way that we um, get those systems to change is when you vote for me. But if you vote yes. for me, you can't be speaking on these things because I can't have the two um, associated. I can't have abortion associated with the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna let Virgil jump in here, but um, you really kind of pointed something out in terms of kind of how those two things are married together. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you, you can't have one without the other. Like, yeah, vote for me. But what they really, what we're realizing, and so I'm 40 years old, my entire life, the city I grew up in has had a black mayor, black police chief, black city council, all Democrats. It's all black, 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 black school superintendent. Like everybody's black. Everybody's a Democrat. But we keep getting told that the system that we're in is systemically racist. Well, who fault is that? If for decades we've controlled it, if for decades we've been in charge of it, how can it still be vote for me, vote for me? And I'll just keep and they just keep us on dangling the carrot. They just keep dangling the carrot. And we just keep, you know, that's why. You know, a bill gets passed and somebody screams, oh, that's Jim Crow, because they know that's going to evoke an emotional response to in us. Right. And we're going right. to run out and vote because we, we have this this past trauma and fear that is there. And they continuously um, prey on it. I, I compare it to a, a, a wound, you know, as, as, the, as the scab, it starts to heal. Right. And what they do is they rip the scab off. They won't let it heal because they need you to still be hurting. They need you to still mm -hmm. be afraid. They need you to still be. I got to vote for this person or we go. You know, they're going to send us back to to um, segregation and Jim Crow. They're going to lynch us. Oh, lynching. Now, now every police shooting is a lynching. They use that language intentionally because it evokes an emotional response in us because they know we still have trauma and we still hurt and they use it not for our good, but for their individual political and, and monetary advantage. And yeah. so I, I, th I think, I think, I, I think you nailed it. And, and I, you know, I, what you all are speaking of is the outer workings of what took place in the black church. So all, all of the, all of the poor teaching, all of the looking the other way, all of the silence about issues that matter that happened inside the quote unquote black church, the end result of it are parishioners and people who are out there who are not following biblical worldviews and who are able to vote in place uh, and put people in positions of power that don't hold a biblical worldview. And so that that's kind of, I mean, that all of what you all just unpacked here for the last three minutes has, has been the outer working of what we've seen neglected uh, in and through the black church. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. it, it, the reality is, is it's hard. Like it's hard on the heart. You know, and it's it's not just hard on the heart because these are black people. It's hard on the heart because these are souls. 
You know, these are people who are struggling, people who, you know, are living below the poverty line and yet still sending they $69 when they get it to Creflo Dollar or, you know, whoever the, the name is on the street at that time. These are people who, when they, when they ask questions about the word of God, are given, you know, errant theology or, um, you know, told they shouldn't look into that or they shouldn't be asking these questions or, you know, just told to shut up in general. We don't talk about that here. We don't put our business in the street. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the, the impact of that just kind of like, ugh, just landed on my heart right then. Kevin, were you going to yeah. say something? Yeah, yeah. And I'll give Virgil you know, the last word, but I just do want to say that, and you said it earlier, Monique, that I want to emphasize this, that there are many Black, solid, good churches out there. They're just not the majority. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and because those pastors are so faithful to their congregations, they're preaching, they're counseling, they're discipling. They aren't in the political scene. They're not up on stage next mm-hmm. to the Democratic politician. They're not the ones out there writing best-selling books because they're pastoring and shepherding their churches. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, when we talk about this, we're not dismissing all the churches because even in you know, predominantly white churches, you see the same spectrum and issues. You have churches that are, you know, Trump, Trump, Trump. Yep. And that's that's horrible, right? Yep. Um, yep. Once again, a lot of those faithful preachers are shepherding. They're pastoring. Yes. They, they're small local churches, and they're not having the big cultural impact that we see that all, some of these others with the big platforms and stuff are having. And so mm-hmm. um, there are solid churches out there. They're just not the majority. Not, and they don't have the loud voice to make the impact in the community that these other churches are having. Yeah. So as we wrap up, um, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts about two things. One is what's the way forward? And secondly, how do we find and support the churches regardless of ethnicity that you're talking about, Kevin, like the ones who are out there grinding it out for Jesus, like making sure that their people are being discipled. We've lost discipleship, you know, but making sure that their people are being discipled, making sure that, you know, a lot of them are probably bivocational. Um, You know, how do we find and support those, those pastors and churches? And what is the way forward when we consider the black church? Hmm. Okay, I'll go first so Virgil gets the last word. Um, I do believe that it's kind of what Virgil said a lot of times is those aren't churches that are in those communities, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so one aspect that I know is happening is some they're starting to plant more churches that are actively involved in the community. Um, you know, we got a, a common friend who pastors in the inner city and his first part of planting the church was he went to the school. And he said the school, the administration told him, you're the first pastor to ever show up here. We've never had a pastor show up to the school and say, hey, how can I help? How can I get involved? You know, and so we need more churches that are willing to um, be in the community, be on the ground, to be less concerned about um, their clout and their standing and all of those things. Right. And so the way forward is to get back to preaching the gospel, to get back to biblical Christ centered, biblical preaching um, and, and discipleship and evangelism on the ground in the community, regardless of, like I said, regardless of color, we need to get away from politics and back to the basics. Um, And that's, that's the church 
culture as a whole, right? Um, not just within black churches. You know, let's mm-hmm. get back to the basics. Let's get on the ground. Let's go knock on doors. Let's go discipleship. Let's go tell people about Jesus, and um, and let's disciple people. And 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 like you said, and and as as the old writer said, that change in heart will then change communities, will change mm-hmm. society, will change culture. But you can't try to change culture without changing people's hearts. And so we got to get back to that being the focus of the church. Kevin, would you say that, um, because you said, you know, regardless of of ethnicity, I think like that this is just what the church needs to do. Would you say that it's okay for white people to go and um, evangelize or do ministry in like predominantly black areas? 100%. 100%. You know, the gospel gospel, you know, doesn't care about skin color. Yeah, we know there's some cultural barriers and there might be some apprehensiveness, but once people know that you care about them, the color of the skin doesn't matter. Do they have right. to know total praise before they go in? No, nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. Virgil, what's the last word? No, I thought Kevin did a fantastic job of wrapping us up. Basically what he said was what I would say. The way forward is to go back. Uh, it's to go back to scriptures, to go back to biblical sufficiency, is to go back to expositional preaching, is to go back to a regulated principle in worship, is to go back into the word of God unpack what's there because it is it is is aptly sufficient god knew what he was doing when he sent his son to purchase a bride he knew what he was doing when he established the church Mm -hmm. and and how we should function how we should move forward and we need to go back in order to go forward we must go back to that model uh and and open up the pages of scripture and do what it says to do it's just that simple Amen and amen. I'm going to let y'all, I'm going to leave it with, with those words because those words were very, very good. I, I'll ask you the same question. Um, any thoughts on white pastors, white parishioners going into black areas to evangelize or do ministry? Now, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we, we, we know scripture is clear about there's no slave nor free. There's no Jew nor Greek. They, we're all one in Christ. He's got the shirt. Truth has no color. Uh, at the end of the day, go go preach the gospel. Uh, be be concerned about some, your neighbor to the degree that you would you would walk out the great commission which we've been given by Christ Himself. And so, if you're doing that, you're doing the right thing. And there was no caveat to well, if you if you're white, you can only preach in this section, and if you're black, you can only preach in that section. And so, uh, we've got to get away from that. Quit quit adopting the ideas of culture uh, and embrace what what the Word of God has to say about these things. Amen. 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 Well, thank you very much, Virgil Walker. I appreciate you. I know Kevin nope. appreciates you. Absolutely. Um, hey, it's been hey, such I'm, I'm a gl- good conversation. Go ahead. I'm I'm glad to be here. Honored to be here. Anytime, sis, you already know. Anytime you call, I'm coming. So uh, I appreciate I appreciate your patience in waiting for us because we've been Dar- both Daryl and I, and I know Daryl's actually traveling today just on on his behalf. He's He's actually at the um, uh, Answers in Genesis. They're at the Out Ark Encounter. There's about 1,700 women, uh, and he's he's preaching at a at a, at a women's uh, a, a event uh, there. Otherwise, I know that he would he would be joining us. And so we're just grateful uh, that we're grateful to see. Listen, though though we don't talk, I see everything you're doing, sis. I see everything that you guys are doing. I watch. I'm like, okay, I, I see I see what's going on, and so. We, we see you guys, love you guys. If ever you need something from us, don't hesitate to let us know. We'll come running. Thank you very much. Gas money is getting, you, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Hey, 
Hey, you can commit Uncle Daryl to giving me ten dollars. Right, right, so right, right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But no, thank you so much. This has been such a good conversation. Um, if you've liked this conversation and have appreciated it, please share this episode with your friends. Heck, share it with an enemy. It's okay. Um, but share, get the word out. We need to have more of these conversations and we need to be off code. Culture, especially black culture, tells us we don't put our business in the street. Well, actually, we might need to put our business out there to be able to have more well-rounded conversations on how to move forward in culture and especially within the church. So thank you so much for being with us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.